This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our honorable guest today, I'm excited for uh, you guys to hear David, is David Baker. Yes, the great David Baker, uh, principal of David Baker Architects. David's a um, progressive architecture firm located in San Francisco and Oakland that creates acclaimed buildings and urban environments. DBA is known for exceptional housing, creative site strategies, designing for density, and integrating new construction into the public realm. DBA also has exhibited a passion, and it's a passion, all right, for deep and understanding of the power of humane and respectful environments to transform neighborhoods and elevate the lives of individuals and families. For more information, feel free to visit their website at dbarchitect.com. Again, that's dbarchitect.com. David, we're honored and happy to have you on our show. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you, Tom. David, we like to start our show with um, uh, a quote, an axiom, and you have a prayer, of course, unique to David. Share with your audience today uh, your poem. Well, this is a a poem by um, a poet named Ben Okri, who's uh, born in Africa, but he... uh, lives in England. And uh, I first saw this because it was uh, in the uh, in London, they have a sort of a public uh, city hall. So, you know, they have the, 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 the city government, but then this is just a kind of an information center for London. And uh, it was a show about climate rise uh, that they, they had at this center. Uh, which is, you know, very germane to London, which has been experiencing uh, surges in the Thames and all that stuff. Uh, bad, you know, s- stuff that we need to overcome. So I'm just going to read some of this. I just, it, I think it's particularly uh, germane to our current moment of intense division and, uh, you know, disinformation and uh, looniness, <laughs> you know, uh, in the midst of these challenges. Uh, but uh, it's very positive. So it's uh, the poet's name is Ben Okri, and uh, I'm just going to read an excerpt of it. And it's, uh, tell everyone the idea is to function together as good musicians would in undefined future orchestras. Let the energy of commerce flow. Let the vision of art heal. Technology provide the tools. Workers of the world remake the world under the guidance of inspiration and wise laws. Create the beautiful music our innermost happiness suggests. Delight the future, create happy outcomes. Very good. Yeah, it's just a wonderful positive vision for uh, a time when I think it's been hard to, to hang on. I think I'm turning off my New York Times notifications during this oh. particular period, simply because I find it so upsetting, right? To all this well, cr- stuff. Segue into um, what's not upsetting is your work and your contribution. Can you share with us uh, some of your latest projects, David, if you're at liberty to do so? Yeah, uh, you know, we are uh, pushing forward. Uh, obviously, 
my I've focused a bit on walking the walk, and you know when you you know I'm I'm in a passive house uh, net zero lead platinum cottage where I live, and obviously I think it's obvious that uh, individual efforts as individuals don't change the world. You know they. Uh, they only uh, do you, but if everybody tries, if we work in concert, if we make a work as an orchestra and make a beautiful music, we can move things okay. forward and uh, and more, move into the future more than just survive, but to to move into a, uh, a humane and uh, a wonderful future, uh, a, a future that's balanced, you know, governed by art and science. So anyway, what we've been doing a lot of uh, recently is, uh, you know, is is we do affordable housing, um, which is based on inclusiveness, uh, providing housing for underserved communities, uh, healthier outcomes for people living in them. And we've been working um, on all kinds of simple and direct ways to uh, um, to make that uh, housing better and also more efficient. And so one of the things we've been doing recently is, uh, you know, is factory built housing, mm -hmm. doing quite a bit of it. And uh, we, we're doing a, a really fun one right now in San Francisco that's uh, formerly homeless housing uh, with, uh, it's, all, it's all built in the factory and uh, it's, uh, under construction, it's going to, you know, it's uh, going to be it's ahead of schedule. It's getting built a year faster. It's being built for uh, uh, a portion of the cost of, of uh, you know, because construction technologies have mm -hmm. been very, I won't say primitive, but, uh, you know, it's a building buildings is very complicated. It's always been complicated. And in recent years, it's become even more complicated as we as we try to raise the bar on everything which means a, a lot of of codes and rules you know, most of which are necessary but um, sometimes they aren't as uh, I think they also you know are challenging in many ways uh, challenging I think to innovation sometimes and challenging to uh, uh, to, to providing what we actually need, but anyway, so uh, the the factory built housing is uh, is you know it's built on Mare Island, the, all the units, and we uh, the contractor we designed it. The contractor went ahead and uh, built the well. One of the things that's great in California, we have uh, streamlining laws, so we were able to get around or or not be, I, I think get around, I scratch that. I would say not be uh, uh, stopped by the forces of, uh, of you know, that, that tend to oppose affordable housing. So even this was a, a lot, a parking lot across from the jail, uh, there were some, you know, people, condo owners who lived in lofts that were originally built as artist lofts, live work sure. artist lofts. Who you know are were very concerned about their neighborhood and and uh, really tried very hard to to stop the project and and uh, because of uh, the of uh, California's 
streamlining of affordable housing, we were able to listen to them, uh, as well as listening to the the, uh, local uh, Filipino community who were very uh, for the project, uh, lower income community, and uh, were very helpful and uh, pushing it forward and incorporating, they they came to the table and we incorporate a lot of cultural elements. Uh, some of the neighbors, you know, we it's it's formerly homeless and they were like, oh, but parking, too many cars. And we go, well, actually there are no cars, <laughs> but we have to do a traffic study anyway. So, you know, oh. we, we were uh, nice and, and but um, we're able to move forward. And then, you know, the contractors building the, uh, uh, well, it's actually it's interesting in a number of ways. I'm 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 shifting around a lot. It, it was a, a a part of a tech uh, initiative, so that uh, most of the affordable housing is being built by nonprofits and um, government agencies, which is really great. But uh, probably, you know, they they are a little slower to innovate. So this was funded by uh, tech people. There was a group in the Bay Area, and they basically bought the site. Uh, they uh, were able to provide streamlining, some of it really simple, like we were sitting there and the contractor went, oh, I'm out of bonding capacity. And this would typically, if we were working with the city and directly with nonprofits, that would be a, a big pothole in the road that would take maybe six months or a year to resolve that. And uh, this tech group with their, <laughs> uh, donations that they had was able to go, oh, bonding capacity, we can take care of that. Next question. <laughs> you know, so it was instead of a year item, it was yeah. like a, a five minute item. But uh, but then they were able to, um, you know, they involved a, a nonprofit, uh, Mercy Housing, you know, which is uh, formerly, you know, uh, associate, it's associated with the Sisters of Mercy, but is a, you know, a, a nonprofit housing developer a very large one very experienced and with uh with this group um, tipping point uh we're able to move forward very rapidly and then uh you know they could pay the deposit one of the things when you build so what we did is we were building the found the concrete part with all the public spaces and um you know there's a counseling and a health clinic things like that and some retail uh that gets built with the foundations at the same time that the rest of the building, uh, all the units are built. And then, so those are built in a factory on Mare Island, trucks take them down and they were put up over 10 days. And then you spend uh, about a, a year or le- actually it's gonna be less than a year finishing everything else, you know, doing the skins and everything. So that, that's that's been great because it's been, it's literally the typical unit costing 800,000 and they're bringing it in for 400,000 and uh and a year faster so uh, love it that that was that's been a really great thing to be uh involved in and and we're doing a second one now right now and it's like it's it's you know i think we've been working on the two months and we're just it's just gonna it's gonna happen much much faster than the um the typical process well let's talk about that when we uh return in a moment here you're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syraclad. We're talking today with David Baker, Principal David Baker Architects. For more information, feel free to visit their website at dbarchitect.com. Again, that's dbarchitect.com. David, as you were uh, as you were saying prior to uh, the reintroduction of you, 
Oh, so uh, you know, so factory built housing is 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 a is a uh, you know, it's not everything, but it's a it's a huge uh, um, element in providing sufficient housing. We've had a, I think, a unfortunate period of time where uh, we have uh, not had as much equity in housing as as we could, and and the the tech boom in San Francisco, which uh, I don't know, you know, it's what what they say. Uh, I think the death of San Francisco tech industry might be prematurely reported. (laughs) You know, I I think I'm hoping it calms down a little bit because one of the aspects of it was that a lot of people were pushed down the housing food chain and and really literally out onto the streets. And there's a lot of stress and and, uh, anxiety on all levels, you know, uh, even people with high incomes, but then they tend to, the people with money tend to, you know, it goes down and at the end, uh, the people at the bottom end up uh, t- camping on the streets. David, just in your experience, um, in the past and present, and obviously uh, the future, what does sustainability mean to you in in practice? Oh, that's that's a uh, that's a multi complex uh, question because it, it's a constantly evolving. Uh, evolving target. Uh, I started, you know, I was, uh, as you know, I was born in a solar house and mm-hmm. my, it was a passive solar house my dad built. And then I was part of the first solar, well, it wasn't the first, I was part of the first. And then in the, in the eighties, you know, there was a, seventies uh, and eighties, there was a uh, revisiting of that. And there was a lot of uh, focus on like, greenhouses attached to houses and making solar architecture and then we've had the you know the lead uh, practice, and then uh, that's been I think uh, broadened with the idea of healthy buildings. Uh, you know, when we figured out that uh, maybe a lot of the things we did, like really tightly sealing buildings too tightly, had uh, negative right. uh, health implications. Um, and then. Uh, then people started thinking about you know, embodied carbon, and even even in in terms of energy, uh, and we've spent an enormous amount of effort um, making buildings kind of perfect thermally, and not paying a lot of attention to what they're made out of. And so uh, we, we, you know, that people have figured out uh, that uh, that concrete buildings are. Uh, you know, need to be mitigated because the carbon content can be equal to the, if you do everything you can to save energy on operating costs, you don't actually, uh, that doesn't actually become a major impact for 20 years. The first 20 years are just that you built it out of concrete or even that the foundations and first story is out of concrete. And then some people figured out great things. And and it's a lot of it is, is, you know, you get into these complexities and I know whenever you do a show like this, you don't want to get too much in the weeds, but yeah. one of the kind of ironic things is the way you make, uh, one of the ways you were making concrete sustainable is to add fly ash, right? Mm-hmm. And so fly ash is great. Well, then it turned out everybody started adding fly ash and we work really hard to increase the percentage of fly ash because it really lowers the carbon footprint of the, the concrete. But what, you know, what's happened is, is we've sort of run out of fly ash or there's, there's a shortage. And why is there a shortage? Well, there's two reasons. Everybody's doing it. It's a great idea, but everybody's doing it. And the second thing is fly ash is basically generated by coal power plants. So 
which, you know, and if you were a, the perfect energy czar, uh, you would go, don't burn any more coal. <laughs> and then you wouldn't have any fly ash. So, uh, so it's always an evolving, um, I won't say moving target, but everything uh, is changing. So what the future holds and, uh, is, is going to be extremely interesting, how we actually uh, evolve to a carbon neutral future. David, also, you, were, uh, you and your firm were recognized by the National um, AIA as uh, one of the firms of the year, if not the firms of the year. Share, uh, share that. Uh, well, actually, it's California. We were, California. Uh, okay, thank you. 2020 California Firm of the Year, which is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, we've, we've worked very hard. I have a fantastic team of uh, 50 people. Uh, more than half are women. Uh, and we've had a, a great, made great strides in uh, adding diversity. Not, I mean, semi-intentionally, I would say we, we never uh, set quotas for anybody, but uh, just uh, paying attention, I guess, and and really encouraging. So that 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 was one of the elements and uh, the uh, ability of people to work as a team is uh, cannot be underestimated. You know, I think, of course, here I have the name on the door. But uh, and uh, it's funny because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, what what's the next step? Because I think there's, it's a little odd when you have a firm named after, you know, eventually somebody's retired or even dead, right? And so, like, why, you know, why are you why are you talking about Edward Durrell Stone Architects when you know he's no longer around? Uh, and so I said, well, you know, you can always call it DBA, and somebody goes. Well, that's that stands for doing business as, and I go exactly. But you know, my my yeah. brand of irreverence maybe isn't shared by everyone. So, that's... how do you get the best talent? Because you you're known mm. for having really good, very uh, uh, driven and talented people. Oh, you know, I think that it, it's been interesting because right now the the, the project the. Uh, marketplace for talent has softened so it's been a great time to hire but you know good people are always in demand one of the things that we found out is that the really great people would would actually started interviewing us so they would call up people at our office or email them and go out to lunch with them and say well you know what's it like to work there and is it really uh, not an impressive place, and is it, you know, and 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 that was and and that was a great thing because we got several people who came who are fantastic who came based on their uh, research uh, and whether they felt uh, you know we lived up to their criteria. Um, and then there's some basic things, and you know, in California, I think I don't know if we're required to have healthcare, but we sort of try to to. To provide benefits, we kind of use Facebook as a, <laughs> you know, if Facebook can do it, maybe we can do it. So, you know, we have, I think we went to 12 weeks of parental leave, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, how's this going to be? But I, I think it's, it's okay. But one of the things we, we've broadened one of our principles because of the housing crisis, uh, she decided to move back to her home state, which is uh, Alabama. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing about Alabama, which I think people in California don't realize, is that uh, Birmingham is actually a democratic, kind of fairly liberal, it's a liberal city. And, and, and you have this 
situation in the South where the urban areas where which tend to be have better economies uh, also tend to have Democratic mayors and to be, uh, you know, well, you could see that in our current uh, or the election that just happened where Georgia, which was not exactly known for uh, wild uh, progressive policies, has become, you know, a at least purple state, if not blue, uh, due to the uh, urban and, you know, and, and suburban areas, which are, but anyway, so they don't, what's been interesting, we've hired great people in uh, Alabama because we offer healthcare. And we go, well, why did you come work for David Baker? Was yeah. it because it's fantastic of their goals? And they went, yeah, that's all true, but really you offered us healthcare. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's not standard in the South. Yeah. Why, why does it, you have that level of care, David? Well, uh, you know, I think it's a win-win. I mean, it, obviously, it's it's helped us uh, c- compete for great talent. And, but I think, uh, you know, doing the right thing. I mean, you, you don't want to go broke, right? And and I think that what ha- you know, in a perfect world, we would have healthcare that wasn't dependent on small businesses because. It means that if you're a small business that says, screw this, I'm not going to give my employees health care and I'm going to charge lower fees, you know, then you're depending on the client to go, well, you know, their fees are higher, but they offer health care. And, like, and, you know, that I'm sure some, at least many clients would do that, but other clients will just go, eh, you know, that's their business. I'm going to take the lower fee. You know, it's all, it's a marketplace. So uh, I would like to see a more universal approach to this. And, you know, thank God we have a, a strengthening of Obamacare going on, which I think is going to be really good. But it'd be nice to get it uh, to be a more universal thing, I, th- I think. David, you're, uh, this is uh, always a pleasure having you on here. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cyraclad. Uh, of course, we're talking today with David Baker, principal of David Baker Architects. For more information, feel free to visit his website, their website, at dbarchitect.com. Again, that's dbarchitect.com. Our uh, public services for SPUR. And uh, what is SPUR? SPUR is a uh, nonprofit public policy organization in the San Francisco Bay Area. They, uh, they bring people together from across the political spectrum to develop solutions to the big problems cities face with offices in San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland, they are recognized as the leading civic planning organization and respected for their independent and holistic approach to urban issues. Their website is spur.org. Again, that's spur, S-P-U-R, dot org. Again, we're talking with David Baker uh, of David Baker Architect. David. And as a plug for Spur, I'm on the board. and Share with you, us. Share, yeah, ahead, if you live please. in the Bay Area, they have, their chapter is in San Francisco, um, Oakland and San Jose. And I highly recommend if you're interested in urban issues, it's a fantastic group to participate in. Or if, if you have a lot of money, um, please send it to them. Thank you. Tax deductible. <laughs> Important too. David, <laughs> about the people and community, if you've ever quantified the percentages design built uh, the building, the, the actual process of, of architecture and design, and then how much of it is interfacing and interacting with people and communities? 
You mean in terms of uh, talking to people? Correct. Yeah, on a on a on a say a Monday through Friday basis. Is is there is it fifty fifty sixty or or maybe not a percentage? But how much is relating and connecting with people a part of David Baker Architects? Well, you know, in the broad sense, architecture is is all about uh, your relationships with people, and uh, but architects tend to, you know, and have to, I think, pay the most attention to their direct clients because, uh, you know, they're the people who are providing the economic engine. So you can pay these great people you hire and they can, you know, have lives and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would say over my uh, practice, uh, my career, there's been a huge shift in how much you talk to um, everyone else, <laughs> you know, the, the community uh, and also the potential community of uh, residents or users. And that, that's something that, that uh, we've really uh, broadened that. And it's been very interesting because one of the, the ways that our practice has gone is uh, we were very project-based, uh, you know, buildings. And then the buildings kept getting bigger, and then they started being on sites. So there'd be multiple buildings and some roads inv- involved. And uh, over the last uh, 10 years, we've been doing more of these uh, dist- they're urban planning, but they're really a project. And the community process has been really interesting. I mean, a community process uh, sometimes used to mean you met with very sophisticated people whose really their real goal was did not have anybody build anything or not have poor people live near them. So it was uh, maybe a disingenuous and slightly fraught scene. You were trying to get past them. Uh, but uh, I think that neighborhood involvement uh, is a different thing and, and that most people uh, or many people, maybe the majority of people are actually okay with having new neighbors and okay with having neighbors of uh, maybe not the same background or a racial profile that they have, and they will offer really great uh, comments and suggestions and insights. So we've, we we have been doing a lot of uh, community workshops uh, on these, particularly on the urban design projects, because, you know, building, you're doing affordable housing building, you know, it's uh, to a certain extent prescribed, but when you're, uh, when, when we did in, um, Burlingame is actually pretty interesting because there was this park that was going to be there and we'd put the park in the middle and all the neighbors went, why are you putting the park in the middle? You know, it's a soccer park. It should be to the side and we should have a smaller park in the middle that's for the residents. And we kind of went, okay. And they said that but also what we did is uh, people did these exercises with little colored blocks and stuff. And uh, the, the bright, young, fantastic staff uh, scanned it all and did a heat map and they ended up, you know, you could see the oh, park doesn't go in the middle. Park goes off in this corner. Huh, we never thought of that. And uh, so that, that's, a, I think, a great example. And, but, and that kind of involvement is also good because uh, when people are in adversarial roles, uh, you know, <laughs> and I think the country uh, is a pretty good example of that right now. It's, it's often doesn't have the best outcome, right? It doesn't, we're not... We're not working together to get through the virus. We're working together to get reelected, something like that. You know, it's which which is better? I think probably controlling a 
gigantic pandemic, which should be your first priority, but maybe it's not, depending on who you are. So, but any kind of conversation is good. You know, I think there's a general rule. Communication is good. <laughs> and, uh, but, there, but, but you have a, a lot of fear of communication. So, you know, I think you need to, sometimes with the clients, you have to go like, just relax. It's going to be okay. You don't have to hold, you know, don't be secretive. They'll find out anyway. And if you try to hide stuff from them, then it becomes a conspiracy <laughs> and they'll get all, all mad. Very the other thing that's been interesting about the pandemic, though, is that uh, community outreach has moved pretty much totally outline, uh, online. And uh, I think as we move back into being able to go to meetings, that uh, there, I'm hoping, and I think there will be a, a, a large component that continues to be online, because that's, that's really broadened the discussion. So you don't get the kind of usual suspects. You get a broader section of the community. David, in... Uh... Closing for your show today, what would you like to share that we uh, we didn't we haven't touched on yet, or something that you uh, you'd like to touch on? Well, I think that uh, we've faced challenges, and we don't really they're up kind of up in the air, right? Everything has been up in the air for a while, and we're seeing you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, and and uh, we're hoping that this uh, rollout of of uh, tamping down this this really terrifying disaster and tragedy we've had uh, will go well and we'll be able to move forward. And um, I think it's a, a new beginning where, you know, GM just said, we're just going to make electric cars. And uh, I think that everybody can pitch in because we have an immense challenge with climate change. And we, we really have, to, I think if we, we will meet it, but I'd like us to meet it in a civilized way and in a way that uh, preserves as much dignity and, and civil discourse and, and uh, fairness and equity as we can, instead of in the old ways, which were much more tragic, you know, where a large percentage of the population dies. <laughs> we don't want that. That's for sure. David, it's, a, it's been an honor and pleasure having you on, uh, on the show today. Thank you very, very much. Well, thank you, Tom. Our guest today has been David Baker, principal of David Baker Architects, a progressive architecture firm located in San Francisco and Oakland that creates acclaimed buildings in urban environments. DBA is known for exceptional housing, creative site strategies designing for density, and integrating new construction into the public realm. DBA also has exhibited a passion and deep understanding of the power of humane and respectful environments to transform neighborhoods and elevate the lives of individuals and families. For more information, feel free to visit the website at dbarchitect.com. Again, that's dbarchitect.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one -on -one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive and affordable and create a healthy living environment. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. We look forward to you joining us again next time. I'm Tom Dior. Thank you.